Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Are you working to have the same attitude as Jesus Christ? Do you make an effort to be like-minded with other believers in Jesus Christ based on the Word of God? Are you living your life in an increasingly Christ-centered and other-centered way, looking to put other people and their needs and wants ahead of your own? Let's open our Bible now to Philippians chapter 2 and see what the Word of God has for us. Well, good morning, and welcome to another teaching. What is today? It's Monday, February 8th, um, 2021. Uh, we're in Texas. I think it's around 9.30 in the morning. I'm sorry, it's 10.18 in the morning. Um, hopefully everyone enjoyed the, the Super Bowl. Congratulations to, uh, to the Buccaneer fans and to Tom Brady fans. Um, it was a wonderful game uh, for y'all. Uh, I'm sorry for uh, all the, the Chiefs and the Patrick Mahomes fans. But uh, unlike Jesus, in football and in sports, everybody can't win. Um, you know, you do need to have someone who won the game and someone who lost the game. That is an elementary principle in life, right? Um, not everyone does good on a test. You know, if somebody got 100, they did good. If someone got 50, they did not do very good. Um, and I think these are important principles. But in Christ, it is the only real sure thing. Jesus, you, you ever heard it said, uh, you know, there's nothing certain except death and taxes. There's one thing more certain than death and taxes, and that's Jesus Christ. Because there were people in the Bible that didn't die. Death was not certain for them. And in Jesus, if you're in Jesus today, you too. You will probably, like, like all but what the Bible lays out is um, two humans. In the Bible, Enoch and Elijah didn't suffer natural death. They were taken from this life while alive. Um, and that's similar to uh, an end time teaching of the rapture of the church, that at the end of, you know, at the end of the time that the church is supposed to be in the world, that Jesus will return. And while he's still in the air, in the heavens, so to speak, all believers in Jesus Christ will be taken up or raptured out um, to be with Jesus and all those believers that had already died and gone to be with Jesus. But Jesus Christ is a certainty because it says it in your Bible. And the word of God is a clear and absolute certainty. We can believe it. We are commanded to believe it and it will come to pass. So the good news is, if you've put your faith and trust and reliance in Jesus Christ alone today, you're relying on him for the salvation of your sins and the forgiveness for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, then, then you will not experience 
eternal death. You'll only experience eternal life. You'll probably experience natural death at some point, unless Jesus returns, Lord willing. And and it's it's certainly my desire that he come before I, before I'm done talking today. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. But if you're trusting in Jesus, if you've called on him today, you know, do you remember a time in your life when you when you called out to Jesus and asked him to come into your heart? Can you remember a time and where you literally have gone to God and prayed, where you've gone to Jesus and prayed, Lord Jesus, I do confess that I'm a sinful person and that I, I cannot save myself. And I, I believe Jesus that you came and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And Jesus, I believe you're alive and risen. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Can you remember a time in your life where you sincerely prayed a prayer like that, where you sincerely called out to God and throwed yourself, I'm sorry, throwed, where you, you know, where you threw yourself at the foot of the cross and really cried out to Jesus. The reason I ask is Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So have you called out on Jesus today? Have you called on him? If not, do it now. Do it now, and eternal life will be a guarantee for you. It'll be the most certain guarantee, even more than death and taxes. Y'all don't know when this happens, but there was just a pause where I was waiting. You know, we had to take like a, uh, a few minute break. Um, so Stephen, you know, he, he's consistently making these, these adjustments, uh, a lot goes into these recordings for which I know very little about it. Um, but I do appreciate everyone who, who really works in, uh, in it in our ministry and, uh, you know, and all that goes into the emails, my daughter, Kristen, Dustin, Susanna helps. I mean, there's all kinds of people who help with different things. Stephen heads up the entire it part of our ministry and, uh, He's so very meticulous about it, um, you know, and, and, and there's just there's a lot that goes into things. So we just had a, a pause there. Now, you won't hear that pause because he'll take it out. And so you'll just hear this clip of me talking about the pause. But, man, I mean, there's things and adjustments that have to be made. I, I you know, when I when I got here, you know, I have a, a mic in front of my face that's about the size of my face. And during that pause, he had to move it back because apparently I was coming through a little heavy. As a matter of fact, he went and gave me a whole dissertation, which I still don't understand about, you know, how there was aspects of the mic that he was able to turn off completely because, you know, because of the, the apparent, you know, uh, force of, of my voice coming through on it that, that, you know, he wanted to make adjustments to make the, the, the recording more clear. Anyway, there's just a lot of stuff that goes into it, and I appreciate Stephen and all the people, all y'all who work at it. Thank you very much. So all that was happening. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna discuss today uh, Philippians chapter two, and it's just gonna be four verses, verses verses one through four. Um, they're a they're a profound 
four verses of Scripture, um, as is all Scripture, of course. I was with my brother Jason yesterday morning, and uh, and him and I meet um, on most most Sunday mornings for this season of our lives uh, early, and uh, you know normally at a coffee shop or a bakery somewhere, and and, and we just fellowship and talk about the Word of God. And, uh, and, and hopefully y'all have brothers and sisters in Christ in your life where you're consistently meeting or even talking to them on the phone and just talking about the word of God and the son of God, Jesus. And, uh, him and I had discussed some of these things yesterday. Um, and I, and I appreciate you, Jason. And, uh, and again, your prayers, he was praying for me as I was on my way to do this recording. And I appreciate that. Uh, I need it. So again, Philippians 2 verses 1 through 4. I'm going to go ahead and read it. And then we will pray and then we'll get right into it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Father, we do love you, and we bless you, and we thank you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the living word of God that you've given us, that we might read it, that we might study it, that we might be convicted by it, that we might understand it, and that we might continue to obey it and live it out more and more and more and more all of our days. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Master, our King, our God. Holy Spirit, we, we love you, we bless you, and we praise you. We thank you for living with us. We thank you for comforting us. We thank you for guiding us. We thank you for counseling us. We ask you to open the Word of God to our hearts now. Lead us and guide us, we pray, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This epistle is written by the, the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul wrote half the New Testament. You know, he is a hero to, to most Christians and that, have, that have given any extended time to really studying the Scripture. Um, considered undoubtedly the greatest Christian to ever live. He wrote half the New Testament, and much of that he wrote from prison. This letter was written while he was in prison. Very uncomfortable. And, and again, I've said this before, but much can be said about that because when we are in prison, and, 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 and each of us, all of us go through different aspects or different you know, types of prison. You very well are in an emotional prison right now, right? This guy, why he's in prison, instead of, you know, just being upset and down and frustrated, which he has to be about his circumstances, 
he's wondering how the church at Philippi is doing. He's in about the most difficult spot he can be in, the most depressing spot, let's say, and yet his heart is to build up others and encourage others. He doesn't know he's writing the Bible, but he is led out of love and concern for other Christians to write this letter. And because of that, we have the Bible book of Philippians today. And when, when each of us have difficulties in our lives or when we're in different type of mental or emotional prisons, uh, how well do we do? How, do? how well do we do in encouraging others and building up others when we ourselves are just in a very difficult place? And I confess I don't do very well. This guy, again, writes half the New Testament and a good part of that, about half of that, out of prison. It's, it's truly, truly remarkable. And uh, we're just thankful for, uh, for, for how Jesus Christ transformed this man and used this man and how usable he became in the hands of Christ. And, uh, you know, he's the only one. If you open your Bible, he's the only one that we're told to emulate. Think about that. Of course, we need to be like Jesus in everything. But as far as a human being, that lived their life for Christ, it's only this guy that says, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's in your Bible. The Bible just told you to follow the example of the Apostle Paul. So when you read through the book of Acts and you read all the epistles, how you see Paul behaved and lived is an example to you of how a Christian man or woman should live. And in this very book, I mean, just remarkable verses in verse 9, Philippians 4, verse 9, he, he makes this statement that's so incredible that a human being could make this statement. But Paul says, whatever you have learned from me, whatever you have received from me, whatever you have heard from me, and whatever you have seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Even as he was with Paul, right? So if you open your Bible or if you're, if you're in Philippians 2 now, if you turn over to chapter 4, you'll see that. And think about the immensity of that statement. Did he really just say that? Can any of us ever imagine making such a, a bold statement as that? I cannot imagine me looking at someone or standing in a church, let alone writing a letter that's going to go out to millions and millions and millions of churches one day and say with a straight face. Can you imagine yourself looking at someone with a straight face and say, this is what I want you to do. Whatever you've seen in me, whatever you've received from me, matter of fact, whatever you've learned from me and whatever you've seen in me, that's what I want you to do. I mean, you better have, <coughs> you better have your walk tight, right? You better be the best Christian that ever lived if you're going to say something like that. I mean, who says that? And then, but here's the thing. Then God makes it the Bible. It wouldn't be in there. It's the word of God now. So the word of God just told you, this is what I want you to do. Whatever you see in Paul, whatever you receive from Paul, whatever you learn from Paul, or whatever you hear from Paul, that's how you live your life. 
He is your example. And it says that in the scriptures. And that's, uh, it's, it's really overwhelming. Um, Lord Jesus, we, we do ask you to help us, Lord. We want to, to live our lives, Lord, and be more like you, Lord Jesus, in every aspect of our lives. And Lord Jesus, your, your scripture, your word tells us to follow the example of the apostle Paul. It tells us to, to put into practice everything we've learned from Paul and heard from Paul and received from Paul and seen in Paul and that you would be with us, Lord, even as you were with Paul. And Lord, we, we want to know you and have relationship with you. Lord, we'd even like to walk into power of this great man of God, but we don't. And so, Lord Jesus, I just uh, I ask you to give us revelation of that today and understanding of it. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to lead us and guide us that we can we can begin to grow to know Jesus more and more and more and more. And we could slowly begin to live our lives more and more like our spiritual father, the Apostle Paul. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, there and again, I'm, I'm getting off here, but. Do you know before Paul became a Christian, he was like the biggest, how do you say it? No one was doing more wrong than him. And think about what an encouragement that is to you and me today. There was no one doing more possible wrong to God and his people than this man. He had more wrong about him than anyone. The Bible tells us he was he was having Christians killed. But to show you the immense mercy of Christ, this person who had done more wrong, as we, as we understand wrong, than anyone possibly could, Jesus calls and he becomes his greatest ambassador. So whatever you've done wrong today, Jesus is calling you to him. Doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. That's an open-ended statement. That means it doesn't matter what you've done. None of it matters. Jesus is calling you today, and he wants to use you in the advancement of his kingdom in ways that you can never imagine. When Paul was having Christians killed, he didn't know that the very God of those Christians, Jesus, would call him, and then he would spend the rest of his life serving Jesus, and Jesus would use him to change the world. If you go look and, uh, and Google the most influential people in the history of the world, this man, Saul of Tarsus, comes up that has influenced more people to Christ than anything in history or anyone in history. That his writings, that he was led by the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, to write have been used to utterly rock the world for Jesus Christ, to bless the world for Jesus Christ. And that, that's a testimony to every single one of us who just believe in our hearts that we've done too much wrong. Never. That's why Jesus came. All right, verse 1. When you look at what Paul has written here, Scott, it's really just kind of, uh, it's, it's just... It just gives such meaning, Jason, right, to where, where we need to be and what, uh, as a body of Christ and as a body of believers. When you look at this, Linz, 
he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, okay, yeah, I feel great that Jesus lives in me. If any comfort from his love, yes, I do feel comfort from his love. I, there's no words for how comforted you and I are that, that Jesus loves us. If any fellowship with the Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus lives in you, Kristen. The Spirit of Jesus resides in you, Lauren. Yes, we have fellowship with the Spirit. If any tenderness and compassion, that's verse 1. If you have any of those things, and if you're in Christ today, we have all of those things. Look what he says then. He says, if you have encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have comfort from his love, if you have fellowship with the Spirit, if you have tenderness and compassion, then don't worry about it. That's all you need to do. You're all set. Go to church. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's it. That's not what it says. It's amazing. Because you would have thought that, you know, we go to church, we read our Bibles, we get encouragement that we're united with Christ. We just find this tremendous comfort that God loves us as we hear over and over and over again, which he does. That we have communion and unity with the Spirit of God, where we flow in relationship with Jesus and our Heavenly Father. And that we have this tremendous uh, tenderness and compassion. But Paul goes on to say, if you have those things, this is what I want you to do. If you have any of that, it's not so you just sit on it and say, that's wonderful. Um, I'm so delighted. Paul says, if you have any of these things or all of these things, he says this, verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Never has the church been less like-minded than it is right now. Paul wanted you to make his joy complete. This is your spiritual father, the apostle Paul. Revelation has come through him that we may never fully understand. The revelation that we have of Christ and all that Jesus has done. The revelation has come through Paul, this apostle, of all that it means. We're told in the Gospels that Jesus died for you, right? We're told that he rose from the dead. We to we're told that he was born of the virgin, right? But we're not explained the significance of that except by this man right here. When you get over the book of Acts in the book of Romans in your Bible, this great apostle now is going to explain to you the significance and what it means that Jesus lived a perfect life for you and that Jesus died a perfect death for you and that Jesus is alive and risen. The Spirit of God used this man. Jesus used this man to teach us all these things. And he has, and he has a request here while he's writing this letter in jail, writing it to the Philippians and by extension, writing it to you and me. So this is his request. If we could do him this favor, I think you and I should do it. He said, if you have any of these things, and most of the people listening to this know they have all these things, right, Jason? He said, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. We are 2,000 years ago when he writes this letter, and there are already problems in the church of people not being like-minded, people not having the same love as Christ, 
and certainly people not being one in spirit and purpose. You know, there are different numbers. Because we can't get along in the church, we have, by different estimates, 1,100 different Christian denominations. You know what a denomination is, right? Catholic or Baptist or Methodist or Episcopalian, um, you know, um, and, and, and it goes on and on, right? Lutheran. Um, and, and we literally have these because we all have different preferences. We're not like-minded. We don't have the same love. So, so the church is broken up, right? We all worship Jesus Christ, right? Presbyterians worship Jesus Christ, um, you know, just like the Anglicans do, right? Um, just like the, you know, the, uh, uh, the assemblies of God do. But, you know, we're not like-minded. That's why we have to have these divisions. I'm going to tell you a secret here. And just when you hear this, you know, it's a secret. But if you want to share it, you can. Here it is. We're not going to have these denominations in heaven. When you get to heaven, because you've trusted solely in Jesus Christ, Wendy, when you get there, Scott, Abraham, when you're in heaven, you're not going to get there and say, I'm looking for, um, I'm looking where the Catholics go. That's me over here. And you're not going to say, I need the Baptists. I'm over here. I belong to the Methodists over there. Yes, I need to know where the assemblies of God are. I'm spirit filled. I need to know where the charismatics are. Here's your secret. It's not going to be like that. Because it was never supposed to be like that. Church is not about your preference or mine. Church is about the word of God and the son of God. The son of God and the word of God, Ireland. That's all it's about, Trinity. You understand that, Chloe? Peyton? That's what church is to be about. But we can't get along. Um, I got an email today. Someone that I love very much. Remember my family. They told me that there are many interpretations of the Bible. That's a problem. We come to the word of God and it means exactly what it says. When, you, when we get to heaven, that's going to be another thing that's revealed to us. That the scriptures mean exactly what they say. My sister Melanie and I talk about this all the time. Our job is to, is to teach the word of God clearly and plainly as it is written. And then it's our job to make our lives fit the Bible. But what we do is we come up with all different kinds of interpretations so that we can make the Bible fit our lives. And, and, and a lot of this is subconscious, I'm sure, but we actually want to live how we want to live, so we interpret the scripture so as to make it fit what we want to believe and how we want to live instead of us just clearly making every effort to, to, to study the scripture, to understand it, to, to understand it plainly and clearly as to what it's saying is it's the very word of God that we might believe it plainly for what it says, 
that we might interpret it accordingly and that we might understand it accordingly, teach it accordingly, live to it accordingly. Come, Lord Jesus. But since we can't do that, this family member of mine, who I love very much, um, was right when she said there are many different interpretations. And uh, this, is a, this is an extremely smart woman. But regrettably, the many interpretations are a stumbling block. Because we can just all make up what it means now. We can all just kind of come to the Bible and just decide in ourselves and by ourselves what, what this means. But you can't do that. Because it means what it says. And it's our job to study it, to read it, to understand it to live by it, to believe it, and yes, to teach it, and to do our, to, 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 to obsessively try to do this in just letting the word of God speak. You're just teaching what it says. It's not your job or my job to make up what it means. It means what it says. Yes, of course we do follow. Uh, we follow context, Right. And we do, do we do use tools like historical analysis, geographical analysis, cultural analysis. All these things are helpful. But the scriptures are written for you and for I. We say in most podcasts, why are these four scriptures in the Bible? Well, they're here to teach us and to instruct us. First Corinthians 10, 6 and 11 says these things are written down as examples to us. So when we look at this, we could see this issue that was happening in the early church. You could see that in this church of Philippi, that the Apostle Paul was concerned that this church would be like-minded because he was already getting reports that they weren't like-minded, clearly, that they would, and as he had seen in other churches, and they would, they would have the same love that they'd be one in spirit and purpose. And as a body of Christ, we need to be one. We need to, we need to ultimately be able to, and, and, and regrettably, I don't see this happening until Jesus comes back. And as I said, there's not going to be different little sects in heaven. That was something given to us and allowed by the Lord because of our weakness as Christians. It, it, make no mistake, the reason we have so many different denominations, as I said, like 1,100, is because of our weakness as Christians. Ultimately, Jesus is not denominational. Jesus has no denomination. He is. He's everything. He's your beginning and your end, your alpha and your omega, your first and your last. Jesus is everything. So he wants us as a church, verse 2, to make his joy complete. And this is in the Bible, so this means God our Father gets joy. If Paul gets joy, then certainly our Heavenly Father gets joy when we're like-minded. That obviously infers that when we're not like-minded, he does not get joy. And it's a grief. And Father, I ask you to forgive us this. Having the same love, being one in spirit, and purpose. Father, I, I ask you, we need so much help. I do, Father. Lord, I know that I have failed in this, and I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to help us, one and all, Lord, 
to, to increasingly just a little bit today to try to get along better and to be like-minded in the word of God, to have the same love as the son of God and to be one in spirit and purpose as the spirit of God. Help us, Father. Help us, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I mean, verse 3 is, uh, I mean, what, what, what do you even say to this, right? Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition. <laughs> um, do nothing out of selfish ambition. You know, May, I, uh, May is my wife, and, and the amount of things that my wife and I can often confess where we can see selfish ambition in our own lives, it's humiliating, but it's there. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. It doesn't say do everything out of selfish ambition. One would wonder. One, one would think that the Bible said do everything out of selfish ambition. No, do nothing. Literally do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. As Christians, Paul is telling us that he can see Christians who do things for their own conceit, for the building up of their own egos, because you think that you know better or you are better and that this will advance that. Father, I, uh, I again, Father, I just ask you to help us to repent where we as a church, as a body of Christ, have so consistently done things in selfish ambition and in vain conceit. Forgive me, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, help us by your mercy to have eyes to see where we're living and doing things out of selfish ambition or vain conceit and help us to repent. Help us somehow, Father, by your mercy and goodness and grace and favor uh, to live our lives, as Paul says, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Father, I ask you to help us to, uh, to begin this process anew today, where in humility, we can begin to consider others, whoever they are, more important than us. Lord, I, where do we even begin with that, Lord? I know, Father, there's so much in my life where I just think about me and my life and my wife and my kids and, and my ministry and, and my money and my lunch and my problems and my shower and my exercise and my entertainment and my fun and my nap. Father, these are the things I just, I so consistently think about. And I ask you to forgive me, Father, forgive us and help us to begin this process of in humility, considering others. Help us, Father, to consider others and, and how their life is doing and how their spouse is doing and how are their kids doing and what's going on at their work and how are things going at their church. And, um, you know, Father, I just ask you to help us to have this, this other-centered, Christ-centered love and I pray we, we would begin to make these adjustments today, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is not an overnight fix. We don't, we don't go from becoming self-serving, self-thinking Christians to becoming other-centered, Christ-centered Christians overnight. It's, it, it, it takes a lifetime. But you want to practice it a little bit today, a little bit more and more this day. Right, Esther? 
a little more this day. You want to practice being led by the Holy Spirit, repenting of any aspects of selfish ambition or vain conceit, and you want to ask the Holy Spirit of God today. Go to him, Lord, right, and say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to show me areas of my life where I do have selfish ambition or vain conceit. And then you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to brace yourself because we could get knocked over. I mean, he'll only give us what we could bear. But certainly there is so much of this. And as I said, I, I still see much of it in my own life. Um, and again, this is this, this apostle's plea while in prison to the church. And it's his plea to us today, one and all. The denominations are here. We just need to try to get along better. We need to get along better in our individual churches and then try to get along better with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, we have to agree on the essentials of the word of God. That Jesus Christ is the only Lord and Savior and God and King. That Jesus Christ is the center of all things. That only in Jesus Christ can your sins be forgiven. Only in Jesus Christ can you have relationship with God the Father. Only in Jesus Christ and by receiving Jesus Christ in this life can you go to heaven and spend eternity with God in heaven. We have to agree on the essentials of the Bible. We have to agree on the essentials. That the Bible is the living word of God. That when you're reading the Bible, you're actually reading the words of God. Remembering the power of the word of God is so immense that it created the universe and the cosmos. We have to agree on these things. And then we can agree to disagree on the non-essentials. What are non-essentials? Whether you have a coffee bar or not, that's not essential in the church, right? The, the, the kind of different music you're using, okay? Everyone can be led as to the kind of music they think best. These are non-essentials. Whether we have leather seats or fabric seats, you'd be amazed at the level of arguments we can have over stuff like this, right? What color should the walls be? What kind of decoration should we have on the walls? I mean, we find things to argue about. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. These are all non-essentials. The church is given to us by Jesus Christ that we might come together worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and be better equipped to go out and to serve the kingdom of God as disciples of Jesus Christ. That's the job of the church. We have to agree on the essentials, agree to disagree on the non-essentials. And Holy Spirit, we need help. We need so much help. I do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 4, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then the incredible verse 5 through 11, that if you're sitting there, he says in verse 5, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. That's the goal of your life, is that your attitude, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you believe, whatever you don't believe, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Every single person living today, whatever it is, close to 8 billion people, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, if you're a spiritual being today, an angel, a demon, 
your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus because that's all that matters. You should be like Jesus and have an attitude of Jesus, whether you're in this life or the next. You know, we're called the bride of Christ. You're going to be married to Jesus. Matter of fact, if you're in Christ today, you are married to Jesus. You're one with him in spirit because the spirit of Jesus lives inside of you and is one with your spirit. He's called the Holy Spirit. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's a very famous verse, right? It speaks for itself, right, Jason? Speaks for itself, Timmy. Each one of us, right, Doug, should look at our lives and look not only to our own interests. And by the way, when it says your own interests, what are your own interests? You, your life, your wife, your kids, your husband, your job, your finances, your retirement, your hobbies, your problems, your lunch, your hair, your shower, your makeup. Those are your own interests. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others, their life, their wife, their husband, their kids, their problems, their difficulties, their finances, their job, their lunch. I was walking one day and praying with the Lord and I, and I just felt that the Holy Spirit give me this. It just came into my mind, right? Just pop into my mind. This came into my mind. You know, John? If you just stop thinking about yourself, you know, we'd make meaningful progress in your development. I don't even know what that meant. I don't even know how that came into my mind. So that's why I'm saying I believe it came into my mind by the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? What does that mean if I just stop thinking about me? I don't just always think about me. I think about everybody. And then I felt led to take an inventory of my thoughts. It's shameful. I think about me. I'm telling you all day long, I'm thinking about me and my own interests, me and my work and what I need to do and what I want to do. And I'm thinking about, you know, my wife and what's going on with her and my kids, of course, right? Thinking about my ministry and the work I got to do. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking right now that I got to go work out after this and I don't want to do that. Anyway. It didn't take me long to then go go back in prayer and to say, uh, this, this is epidemic in my life, thinking about my own interests. Now, yes, of course you need to consider these things. But Paul says, look, not only to your own interests. Of course you have to handle your life and your work and your job and your finances. But when I inventoried my life, if I'm awake 16 hours a day, during, during a, a five minutes goes by, I'm not thinking about me. And now I've been practicing this, I don't know what it's been, 10 years since I felt, I think this has been. And I, I still got a long way to go. Father, we do thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, and your goodness on our lives. We ask you to help us that our attitude could more and more and more and more be more like Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we ask you to help us again, help us to be convicted Holy Spirit, we ask you to convict us to look out not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. Lord, help us to be men and women, Lord, who know that we have encouragement from being united with Christ, 
who have received comfort from his love, who do have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and who do have elements of tenderness and compassion, Lord. Help us, Lord, to to mourn more in humility, labor to be like-minded with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to have the same love, even with different denominations, to, Lord, by your mercy, to try to be one in our spirit and in our purpose of living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. Father, help us to see that these four things transcend, surpass all denomination, all opinion. Let us be a body of Christ that can spend our lives living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. Father, again, forgive us and help us to live our lives and to to mourn more. Stop doing things out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Help us to, in humility, begin this process of considering considering others better than ourselves. Father, this is such, uh, we need so much help, Father. I need so much help. It's said to consider others better or more important than me. And Lord, I I do want us, I ask you to help me and help us one and all to have this other-centered, Christ-centered heart more and more and more and more where we view other people and their lives and their needs more important than our own. And Father, I pray that each of us would begin today to more and more look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others, always desiring that our attitude with this moment and this hour and this day and this week would be more and more the same as that of Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for loving us, leading us, and guiding us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.